everybody, welcome back to the Soccer Summer Podcast. In this episode, I'll be overviewing match day one. All of the first games of each group have been played. I waited till um, Monday to just watch the games and Tuesday record and now Wednesday you guys are hearing this. But yeah, just stay tuned. I'll be bringing in more people for the podcast. Um, I've been trying to work in through people's schedules and you know people are busy and stuff. So I haven't been able to have somebody on yet, but don't worry, that'll happen soon. Um, not much Copa America talk in this episode just because we've only seen four matches so far. Another slate of matches starts today, but we will get a Copa America episode out soon. Without further ado, let's get started with the podcast. Alright, so before we get started talking about the other matches, I just want to address the whole Christian Eriksen thing that happened about him passing out, suffering a cardiac arrest on the field. Um, personally, I was watching this game while eating breakfast, and it was really scary to watch. I was eating I was eating some eggs and rice, and the game overall between Denmark and Finland was pretty physical. There was a lot of players, you know, bumping into one another, getting in each other's ways, and... For a split second, the whole incident happened. When I looked up, I saw Erickson on the floor. I thought somebody probably knocked him down. Um, that was my initial thought. And then later on, you can see the severity of it where he's not conscious. He's he's passed out. And it was just horrible to... Just overall to witness that whether you were there at the stadium in person, watching the game on TV, you know, you you were scared. You didn't know what was going on. The paramedic team out there running and trying to resuscitate him, give him CPR. It was scary all around. And I just want to address the whole thing with ESPN and BBC. Um, those two companies were have the rights to the Euros. And they're airing the matches. And they were just putting close-up shots of Christian Eriksen on the floor, of the paramedics while they were giving him CPR, and overall, it's just really disgusting to see that, um, give the guy some privacy, you know, this is a really serious moment, you really shouldn't be recording stuff like this, I'm mostly pissed off about this, because Erickson's family, friends, even fans of football overall, have to see that, and see how that is zoomed in in slow motion, and how you can see Everything that's going on there. Luckily, the players made a wall around him. That way, the cameras, you know, wouldn't be zooming in on him too much. And it was just horrible. I don't know if you're a producer at ESPN, you know, out there doing the game, why you would ask for them to zoom in to Erickson's face. That's just really disrespectful. And overall, it just doesn't sit well with me, nor should it sit well with anybody. I'm going to keep talking about this game since, you know, we're on this topic. Uh, UEFA basically gave an ultimatum for the Danish national team to continue this match. There were three options. Option number one, uh, which is eventually what happened. Delay the match for maybe about an hour, 90 minutes. I think that's how long the delay was. And continue playing the game, resuming from where it ended. Option number two was postpone the game till the next day and continue playing. And the final option was take a basically a 3-0 loss in a forfeit. And those options really were horrible. 
I thought the best option available and one that seemed the most right in this moment because both these teams, but more the Denmark national team, their thoughts weren't on football at the moment. They were thinking about their friend, you know, somebody who's been close with them, with their families, somebody who uh, they've seen over the couple of years, they've bonded with, had experiences with. Their mind's somewhere else. They shouldn't be forced to play this game. I thought UEFA should have just gave one point for each team because at the time of Ericsson's incident, uh, the scoreline was 0-0. So I thought, you know what? It seems most fair if we just give both of these teams one point and call it a day, you know? Denmark, when they came back, they were crying as they were warming up to play the rest of the game. They obviously weren't in prime condition to continue playing. And I just... Can't believe UEFA really made them play, you know. Unfortunately, that that's what happened. Hopefully, Denmark kind of... Denmark are in a pretty tough group right now after losing to Finland. They need points. Their next game is against Belgium, which uh, at the time you're listening to this is going to be today. Depending on how that game goes, Denmark may not advance to the next round. We'll have to see. But overall... It's just been horrible what UEFA has done and how they've handled the situation, really. Well, moving on, let's talk more about the football. The day prior, we had Italy and Turkey for the opening game of the Euro 2020. A lot of people had uh, Turkey as a dark horse for the tournament team that they might, uh, might make a deep run right now. It doesn't really look like that may be the case. As I'm recording right now, I'm currently watching the Turkey-Wales game. And right now, uh, Wales is winning 1-0 goal by Aaron Ramsey. Wales just had a chance to score right now. But overall, um, Turkey didn't look too impressive in game number one. Um, They just were defending the whole time. I think they had around maybe 10 or, or 9 players defending. Um, they were giving Italy the spaces on the on the wing to cross the balls in. They were just crowding in the box. And uh, a lot of the Italian fullbacks were getting forward, and rightfully so. They're giving all that space to do so. And Italy, you know, they kind of struggled dealing with that for a bit. They struggled with so many defenders in there and just tight spaces, not able to get much um, inside of the box. They did get a lot more shots outside of the box in the first half. But uh, overall, Italy just really wasn't trouble. The new PSG goalkeeper, Gianluigi Donnarumma, didn't really have to do much for the majority of the game. Um, he was kind of just sitting there as uh, Turkey was defending most of the game and rarely got forward. But talking about Italy's performance, um, you had an own goal to start off the tournament. Um, if I'm correct, I think it was... Uh, who was it? I, I'm sorry, I forgot who it was, but um, one of the Italian wingers right now uh, during the game, they got into the box and crossed the ball in. Fortunately, deflected off the chest of the Turkish defender. And then you had Insigne and Ciro Immobile scoring a goal. I think Italy are going to do really good in this tournament. Didn't do much uh, defensively. There's still a lot um, to be said and a lot for us to learn about Italy. And right now against Turkey, which has been the only game that they've played at the time of recording... Looked like a pretty simple game to to Italy, right? Not much defending. You had, uh, if I'm correct, I think it was uh, Cellini doing a, a last-minute tackle to 
make sure, you know, the ball wouldn't get uh, or wouldn't challenge uh, Donnarumma in goal. And that was a that really set the tone for me, really. Like, it's one minute left and they're still defending like this. You know, they have a lot of heart. The Italians have a lot of passion in soccer and how they sing their national anthem. Like, they, this team's going to go pretty far. And I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the semifinals and had some big upsets along the way. Obviously, we still need a lot to see from Italy. They're going to play against Switzerland um, later today at the time of this recording. I'm excited for that game. I think it will really get Italy will really get to showcase what they're made of. And then um, talking about another team from Group A right now, uh, Wales. And if I'm correct, Wales and Switzerland went to a 1-1 draw. Um, right now, the, the Welsh were given a penalty. Gareth Bell is stepping up to take it right now. Wales have been doing really good in this game against Turkey. Aaron Ramsey has been been dangerous all game. And if Aaron Ramsey continues to play like this in the next match that Wales will play in, I really think they could advance. Gareth Bale is going up to take the penalty and misses it, skies it over the goal. Aaron, I mean, excuse me, Gareth Bale, not expecting that from him. But the Welsh missed out on the penalty, and we'll see later on in this game. Will, will it be costly? Moving on to a bit more talk about Group B. Um, Finland got the win over Denmark. Denmark, obviously, their, their thoughts and everything really was, wasn't was really put on the pitch, rightfully so, you know, with that whole horrific situation going on with Ericsson. Um, Belgium and Russia. Russia had a good day winning 3-0. Lukaku looks really dangerous. He's probably my favorite to win the golden boot alongside Ronaldo, who we'll talk about later. But Belgium look really good. This is the year for them, really. A lot of their players are getting a little bit older. I don't know if Eden Hazard can still play at a high level with the Belgian national team. Obviously, he hasn't been able to do that with Real Madrid lately, ever since he got there. But Belgium right now is the time to win. They have to be under the most pressure alongside France and Portugal, really. And this team isn't getting any younger. Um, this tournament will probably be the last with um, this tournament and the World Cup next year will probably be the last we see of this Belgian golden generation per se. Russia, on the other hand, did lose, but they did win against Finland at the time of recording earlier in the day. So they could still qualify for the next round. And I want to talk about this in a bit of depth. The English national team. Um, England won 1-0 against Croatia. Um, a lot of people, especially English media, especially English media, journalists, you know, pundits on TV, they love to just criticize the manager, man. Gareth Southgate hasn't even put out the lineups, and they were already calling to say, what is he doing? You know, who he should play? You know, the players that he didn't call up, because England has a plethora of quality players they can call up. Probably the the one that got the most, uh, I would say, slack would be the Trent, no, excuse me, not Trent, Alexander-Arnold. He did come in, but he was injured. But the one I'm thinking about is James Ward-Prowse, who is a set-piece specialist, good midfielder, and probably the second-best set-piece taker next to Leo Messi, really. And it was just really confusing to see that he wouldn't take him. And because they were missing that free kick specialist he put in Karrion Trippier at the left back spot he's a right back so he was playing out of position 
But I would say England played really well. Phil Foden got close to scoring in the cup first five minutes of him correct of the match at the post. But ultimately, uh, a good, great pass by Phillips. He was playing so good that game. I'm glad he got included into the squad. A great through ball by Phillips, and Raheem Sterling finishes it, though it was close to being saved by the keeper. But overall, this was really, really good um, play from England later on. I really think that this team is having high expectations above them, especially with the amount of talent that they have. The English media isn't helping them at all with that. Obviously, putting up really high expectations. And overall, just um, England fans in general, you know, this is probably one of the few times they've they've been really confident starting off a tournament like this. If I'm correct, this might be one of the first times they ever win their first game in the Euros. So that's a good sign for England. And obviously with that, it's probably going to come a lot more pressure. We'll have to see how England perform um, in the group and also in the knockout stage. So the most entertaining game by far was the Netherlands and Ukraine. A Frank de Boer managed squad um, I'm not confident in after seeing how things were, if I'm correct, in, in Ajax and how things were at Atlanta United. Not very confident in manager de Boer. They started off the game really good. We're up 2-0. Ukraine, man, they came coming back. Yarmolenko with probably one of the best goals in the tournament so far. And then the Ukraine would tie up the game later on really soon. But then in the last couple of minutes, uh, the Netherlands got a late winner and and were able to win the game comfortably. Well, not too comfortably, but able to finish off the game. And Ukraine looked like they could maybe play and get out of the group stage. Uh, Andrei Shevchenko's side um, were struggling a bit for the beginning of the game, but later on, as the game kind of opened up a bit more for them and they were starting to get into a rhythm, they looked a lot better. Austria and Northern Macedonia was a really fun game to watch. Austria won 3-1, to one, Northern Macedonia getting on the score sheet first, but Austria would come back and would win this game comfortably. Again, another team that I think can make it. They've got quality players on... That team, David Alaba is a great captain and great leader. Can play really almost any position on the defensive end. Can even play better than midfield as well. But whatever the manager needs David Alaba to do, he will do it. They've got quality playmakers in uh, Sabitzar, who plays for RB Leipzig. And also, too, Marko Anatovic. While he does play in China, he still has that finishing ability and showed that off um, as he scored the final goal in that match. Austria, I think, can probably make a surprising run like we saw with Wales a couple of years ago um, when they got to the semifinals of the Euros. And now I'm going to talk about uh, Patrick Schick and his goal that he had. If I'm correct, around 42 yards. The keeper was way off his line, way off. I don't know what you're doing out there. Um, Patrick Schick finishes that from a mile away. And wow, was that a great goal. And overall, the Czech Republic looked really good that game. Um, Scotland did have some chances, but just couldn't finish. They just couldn't finish, and that might be the downfall of the Scottish national team. They're going up against England, one of their biggest rivals. They're going to need to finish if they want to have a chance to get out of the group stage. They couldn't do that against the Czech Republic, and the Czech Republic won comfortably 2-0. Probably the biggest upset, I would say, would be um, Slovakia beating Poland 2-1. 
man, I was not expecting this result. Obviously, all eyes are on star striker Robert Lewandowski. He is probably he's deserving of the of the Ballon d'Or. He's had an incredible season in the past two years, really. Done really good for Bayern Munich. And he's been spectacular to watch. Obviously, you know, isn't gonna have the same quality of teammates that he does in Bayern than what he does with the national team. Uh Kurchoviak got a red card, which opened up a lot more things for um, Slovakia and also made the attack a lot harder for Robert Lewandowski as there was no really holding midfielder and instead they had to sacrifice um, their other striker Zelensky who plays for Napoli also plays in the midfield as well so he had to come in and play that midfield role leaving a single striker out there in Lewandowski and it was just hard to get um, some uh, chances going when you just have one striker out there and really wasn't getting that much support Slovakia uh, Milan Skriniar with a great finish puts it down on his foot and finishes that like a striker probably one of the best defenders in the world he might get sold especially considering Inter Milan are having a lot of financial issues but he had a great goal winner for Slovakia as he had three points in this group it's going to be huge we'll have to see how Poland adjust I, I feel Robert Lewandowski should be enough to get them out of the group stage but if the team keeps playing like this I don't think they will Especially with a man down, it'll be extremely hard. Lewandowski is obviously the key to Poland here, but this whole team's got to improve. Speaking of improvement, the strikers for Spain need tons of improvement. Spain and Sweden played the first 0-0 draw of the tournament, and Spain were making chances. Playing good football, passing around tiki-taka football, you know the dealio when it comes with Spain. But Alvaro Morata and um, Ferran Torres were, were struggling to finish at times. Morata especially was given plenty of chances, plenty of chances to finish, but just couldn't do it. Uh, Ferran Torres got really close as well, was really dangerous um, on the wing. And then when you had Gerard Moreno come in, um, he also had a easy goal, a sitter that he should have scored, but they couldn't. Spain had, I think if I'm correct, around 80% possession during this game, which is crazy to think about. They dominated this game. Sweden had a couple of chances. Uh, Alexander Isak was doing really good. Um, unfortunately, um, like Lewandowski, there wasn't much support for him, so he kind of had to do it on his own. But I was impressed by him. He was doing really good. He's had a good year for Real Sociedad and La Liga. And he looks like he can be dangerous if Sweden give him that support that he needs. Overall, I don't, I don't think Spain are going to go very far in this tournament. The lack of a killer striker right now is really holding this team down. In this tournament, you're going to need finishing. And unfortunately, Spain don't have that. I decided to do this podcast uh, after the first match day just because I wanted to see how uh, Group F, the group of death with Hungary, Portugal, France, and Germany would go. So um, that's why it kind of took a while to talk about the Euros, but here we are now. Hungary and Portugal. Hungary got on the score sheet first, but the goal was uh, disallowed. Portugal just had a plenty possession, but just couldn't do much with it. They kept losing the ball, and Diago Jota, who I thought was going to be maybe a surprise player, somebody who could have surprised people by scoring plenty full of goals. He was really keen keeping Liverpool alive, especially when uh, Salah, Mane um, were really inconsistent when it came to COVID and a couple of injuries. 
I thought Jota was maybe going to add a bit more flair to this Portuguese team. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I think he was he was getting in the middle of a lot of chances that he just couldn't finish. And just overall was kind of interrupting the play of Portugal's attack for a couple of their chances that they had in the first half. And Ronaldo did Ronaldo things, scored a penalty and scored a goal in the last couple of minutes of the match. Ronaldo with two goals. I think he's played in the most Euros. Yes, if I'm, I'm correct, he's played. He's the play, first player to play in, I think, five Euros. That's a new record. And Ronaldo's getting closer to the most goals of all time for his uh, national team. Just three goals away. We'll definitely do that during the tournament. But Portugal... I'm really high on this team. I think they can make it back to the final again and do have a solid chance of winning it. Portugal, defensively, have gotten better. Ruben Dias is right next to uh, Pepe. And also, too, the midfield has gotten a lot better. We've seen Bruno Fernandes and how he's done with Manchester United. Renato Sanchez has played really good in uh, France. He came off the bench and he looked really good. Um, was key, I think, to, to getting that, that penalty, if I'm correct. Um, kept the ball with him, was strong with it, kept possession. And that's really what Portugal lacked in the midfielder for most of the game. You had Danilo and uh, Pereira playing really well defensively, um, just overall making it harder for Hungary to really get something started in the midfield. And then you have your uh, attackers and Jota, Ronaldo, and Bernardo Silva, who are all really good and, really, and of really good quality. I'm not too worried about Portugal since they got this 3-0 win. But if this was a draw, or even worse, they lost, I would definitely be worried. And I'd probably get off the hype train as soon as that happened. But moving on to the marquee match, France and Germany played off Yogi Lowe's last tournament with uh, the... Yogi Lowe's last tournament with the Germans right here. And then with France, you had Karim Benzema coming back to the national team after that whole scandal with uh, Mathieu Valbuena. I thought Benzema looked really good. It was definitely helping up the link-up play with Mbappe and Griezmann, really helping them get a lot more spaces in the midfield. Paul Pogba was a great pass, really, on the own goal by uh, Mats Hummels. Lucas Hernandez wasn't even in the frame when uh, Pogba made that pass. It looked like it was heading towards Mbappe. But um, Pogba gave it just enough strength and just enough, uh, gave it just enough to put it into the sprinting Luka Hernandez, who came in and um, forced that own goal by Mats Hummels. Germany, I think, are really, really, really missing that striker. Timo Werner's had an up and down year. Um, they put Serge Gnabry up front, and Serge, Serge Gnabry is really good. He's a good finisher. But I don't know if adding him in that game was probably the best decision. Leroy Sané, too, a really fast and good attacker. I thought he should have started. But we couldn't really see too much of uh, attacking chances for Germany. If I'm correct, I don't even think they got a shot on goal the whole game, which is really frightening if you're Germany. You don't want to be playing defense most of the time, and you do want to get some quality chances. France had two goals disallowed. Um, the the first one that they had, beautiful Mbappe, finds his spot and hits it in the corner where Manuel Neuer can't reach it. And it was just overall a great goal. Unfortunately, it was disallowed. And then I think in the last couple of minutes of the game, um, 
Mbappe was offside. He passed it in for Karim Benzema, who finished it. But unfortunately, Benzema will have to wait to get his goal for the French national team. Overall, just talking about this tournament so far, it's great. If you're not watching it, this is some quality football you guys are watching here. Like, very entertaining. Lots of storylines going on. And just, I think, the rest of the tournament's going to get a lot better. You know, all of the nations are united for Christian Eriksen, who, as I mentioned earlier, suffered that cardiac arrest. Um, they're, they're all united in that. Obviously, they're still trying to qualify for the next round, but it's just beautiful to see how all the nations here at this tournament are united for Eriksen and are really wishing him the best here. Um, with that being said, you know, just tune into the tournament. If you don't have a team to root for, um, with what I've said about the matches, you choose a team that you think, hey, these guys look interesting. You know, maybe they can make a run and hey, you can enjoy the tournament with that team of your choosing. But that'll be it for this episode uh, real quick. Just wanted to get this out as uh, the first match day of the Euros are finally over. And it sucks to say, but um, I just really wish the tournament was a bit longer. I'm enjoying the football right now. Big fan of international football, which might be a hot take for some other fans, but it's been incredible. And with that being said, I'll see you guys on the next episode where we'll probably talk about the Copa America. Sure.